1: Welcome to Argyle Chat, the weekly Argyle podcast brought to you by Plymouth Live Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Argyle Chat. We're a little short on numbers again today, so it's just myself and Chris. Hiya Chris. Stu, good morning. How are you? Yeah, very good, thank you. Yeah, done a fair bit of travelling it seems like the last few days. We've uh-huh. um, going up
0: to Mill last Wednesday and then back off to Portsmouth uh, on Saturday. Uh, we're sorry to hear about those Argyle fans on the... On yeah. a coach that caught caught up in that incident, which ended up with the coach uh, exploding into fire, it looked very scary. But um, it sounds as though everyone was safe and well. although They didn't get back till very late Saturday night. I think it might have even been the early hours of Sunday morning. So, uh, yeah. commiserations with those guys,
1: but glad that they're uh, okay. Yeah, well, I, I did a lot of the socialing for that mm. on Saturday night actually, and the amount of sort of um, you know yeah. sympathy and yeah. you know, thoughts from the football fraternity really was was really nice to see. Everyone was. You know, kind of hoping everyone was okay and got home safely, which, as you say, I think they did in the end. Yeah, but, you know, 3-0 defeat at
0: Fratton Park and then all that. uh, Talk about a bad day. uh, That really tests your uh, endurance as a football fan, doesn't it? But, yeah, you know, hopefully uh, all's
1: all's okay. Indeed. Um, Well, let's talk about the game then. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, it's not a game that Argyle fans like to lose, being a a bit Mm. of a sort of derby game. Mm. Um, And it didn't sound like they played particularly well either. No, it was... um, it was two teams with contrasting form, wasn't it, going into that
0: game? You know, Portsmouth unbeaten, uh, flying high; Argyle bottom of the table and and short of confidence. And uh, I certainly thought in the first half you could you could see the difference. Portsmouth were were much more on the front foot. I mean, there's nearly 19,000 at Fratton Park, uh, 1,200 Argyle fans there. You know, it is a, a hostile atmosphere when you go there as an away team. It is difficult to get yourself into a game when Portsmouth start as well as they did. They got the goal midway through the first half. Um, and you know, they were they were they were good value for the lead at half time. Although Argyle I think did show signs um, approaching the break of getting into the game a bit. Jamie Ness had one um, one good shot that was tipped over the bar and there was a penalty incident which we can we can talk about in a moment. I thought after um Carey and the Miras came on at half time, a double change, I thought Argyle improved. Um, Derek Adams didn't, but you know you know, everyone sees games differently I yeah. thought there was a bit more from Argo going forward There, Adams did make the point that Argo didn't create chances uh, Kerry did have one shot which hit the hit the post uh, when it was 1-0 uh, tight angle good shot if that just sneaks inside the post 1-1 you know who knows but football's always about what ifs isn't it and uh, you know Portsmouth went on got the second goal and after that a third one soon afterwards and there was no way back and it was just a case of uh, what Portsmouth had to their tally really after that so uh, 3-0 apart from say maybe 10 minutes either side of half time uh, you know Portsmouth were the better team and um, you know goals uh, defending was,
1: was, was poor again. Yeah we'll come on to the defence mm-hmm. in a minute but um, you mentioned there that the- uh, the penalty, mm. there was a, a penalty shout mm. in the first half. Mm. Um, did you feel it was as clear cut as, as Derek Adams made out? I mean, no. he said it was a stonewall penalty. Yeah, I mean,
0: no, I mean, I think I'd probably say I'd seen him given, um, but not always, sort of thing. Um, it was one of those where, you know, the has got there, pushed the ball past the keeper, uh, and then, you know, um, could the keeper have stopped himself? Did he impede Ladabo from running around him and getting to the loose ball and tapping it in the net. Um, I wasn't convinced it was a penalty, no, I've got to be honest. But um, again, you know, sometimes you get those breaks yeah. in, in in games and sometimes you
1: don't. Um, and when you're down at the bottom of the table, it's, it seems like nothing goes your way. No,
0: absolutely. And I think that might have been part of Derrick Adams' reaction to it, you know, that he's seen his team concede lots of penalties. Uh, some... Definite, some you know, maybe a little bit debatable. And you know, when things aren't going your way, and you, you you're desperate to get a penalty. You know, uh, to to that would have been to give Argyle a lead if uh, yeah, if it had been given. So um, it was it was a talking point, but um, you know, I think you know, looking at looking at it at the pace, you know, Portsmouth were the better team and deserved to win. There's there's no real
1: quibbling about that. Yeah, he said there were two other penalty shouts as well.
0: Yeah, there was. Um, there was one on, on Anthony sarsavic where no, I don't think so. He, he went down in the box. and might have be been a little bit of contact, but no, I don't think so. And there was one where he, he said that um, Stuart Keith got uh, got whacked by the Portsmouth keeper. Again, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. You know about those two. The, the, the Dapo one, you know, maybe,
1: may uh, but not the other two for me yeah um, you mentioned the defense as well. Mm. It, it seems like he can 't get that settled back line at the moment he 's chopping it and changing it, and no one 's really putting their hands up and and claiming that shirt on a regular basis yeah just
0: before we 've recorded the podcast you 've done a sort of uh, an opinion piece on on how much Algar and mass- missing Sonny Bradley and Oscar called um, after their departures and um, you know, I didn't go into all of that because then you won't read it on the, on the website, <laughs> will you, if I, if I tell you all the things I, I said. But I, it was the centre-backs is, a, is an interesting issue because they've played eight games this season and have already, already had three different combinations. So they've had Ryan Edwards and Scott Wooten, they've had Scott Wooten and Niall Canavan, and now they're on to Ryan Edwards and Gary Sawyer. So three centre-back pairings in the first eight games isn't ideal because, you know, centre-backs work as pairs, it's good for them to have understanding. Particularly the left-sided centre backs, you know, you've had uh, Scott Wooten there, now Canavan there, and Gary Sawyer there in the first eight games. Now again, that suggests, doesn't it, that that position is a problem. Yeah. And of course, that was a position that Sonny Bradley filled pretty much every game for the last two seasons. So um, yeah, it's 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 a, it's an issue that needs to be uh, addressed. You, you, you any successful side has a regular centre back pairing, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, you think of you can. Top to bottom. Well, I can't, yeah, any any successful club. Yeah, uh, or on national teams or whatever. If you've got two no on the centre backs, then um, that's good. So that's something that Argyle need to address. But you know, some of the goals that they are conceding and the way they're giving the ball away isn't the centre backs' faults. I mean, the first goal against Portsmouth, Jan Songo didn't win the ball in midfield. Um, let me try and get this right the right way around. The third goal, Graham Carey's giving the ball away in the centre of the pitch, and Portsmouth are broken clear and scored so. It's very difficult to blame the defence completely or the centre-backs completely when players further up the pitch are giving the ball away cheaply yeah. and in bad positions and allowing the opposition to break. So, I think when when we talk about Argyle's defending, we are talking about their defending as a team at the moment rather than particular individuals. Yeah, and
1: I noticed as well you mentioned the full-backs in your match mm-hmm. ratings at the mm-hmm. weekend and said there were just far too many crosses coming mm-hmm. into the box. And it was the same at Millwall as well yeah.
0: and uh, that's, that's definitely becoming a theme that needs to be addressed because... Um, it's one thing sort of being in the general area, but you've you've got to make, to my mind, you've got to make a real effort to stop that cross right. coming in. You know, you know, outstretch, outstretch legs, things like that. Do anything you can to make sure. Even if you get um, a, a nick on the cross and it loops up in the air, but it's not going to the intended target, at least it improves your chances of dealing with, situ- de- dealing with the situation. Dealing with the situation. So, um, I just think collectively they've got to work harder and uh, put more into defending their box. And, because again, it's, it's a, it doesn't matter what level of football. Like, you know, law of averages says that the more
1: times you get the ball in the opposition penalty area, your chances of scoring are going to improve, yeah, aren't they? If you stop it is. at source, then you are you taking away that, that chance of scoring, aren't yeah, you? Absolutely. Um, are there signs of improvement? I mean, you know, at the moment we're still in this situation mm-hmm. where we are slowly starting to hear more and more of the mm-hmm. Adams out brigade again. Yeah. Um, obviously, I think it's and I'm sure you do too, far too early for that sort of mm. talk right now, um, but there are some people saying that while the same thing happened this time last year, there were signs of improvement last year, but this mm. year it doesn't seem to be that way, you know, people are sort of scratching their heads and, and wondering where the goals are going to come from and how they're going to keep the ball yeah. out of the back of the net really
0: yeah it's, no, I think the problem is that you touched on the intro there that there isn't really a settled team there isn't really a settled formation at the moment it feels like Eric Adams is trying to find a combination of centre-backs of, of attacking players you know just trying to find a general balance to the team um, but that's always very difficult to do when you're not winning games because you know you, Mm-hmm. You keep changing to try and find that winning formation. You, you're not winning, so you keep trying to change and change and change. And at some point, that's where you need to get, you know, a couple of results, two or three results, so you can start building and going forward. And we've had this conversation on the podcast before. But you know, in situations like this, that what you have to do is make yourself really hard to beat. And even if you only draw, if you draw two two yeah. games in a row, three games in a row, it's at least block. it's a starting block, and then it gives you something to build on. So that's what I think Argyle need to be doing, making themselves harder to beat, stop crosses coming into their box win their individual battles. Um, yes, they might not be able to play as a, and you know attacking as, as we would all like them to see them do, but they need to start putting points on the board they need to build up the results get some, um, get some results going. so um, are there signs of improvement? well you know the last three games they've conceded 11 goals you know that's that's not great. I mean they've played against three good sides. Peterborough, Millwall, and Portsmouth, and they've gifted them quite a few of those goals. But um,
1: no, I think you know, defensively and going forward, there's there's still a lot to do. Yeah, it's interesting to see the centre halves because mm. um, obviously you know he did bring a fair few in over mm. the summer, and it, on Saturday he went back to playing Gary Soy there. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Perhaps doesn't say he's got too much confidence in some of the others at the moment. Again, it's just trying to find a formation
0: and a system that works. Um, you know, Gary Sawyer's quite happy playing at centre back. You know, he, he he says so himself. You know that if he'd been perhaps a um, a little bit taller, yeah, um, that probably would have been his position he's he's played in because he's got lots of attributes um, to be a centre back. Apart from maybe just that not, just that little bit of height isn't there. Yeah. Um, you know. Not every team in in League One, to be fair, has a really big centre, you know, centre centre forward. So you can sometimes get away with that. But it is interesting that, that Derek Adams is looking at looking at that. He's given in the last couple of games there, and um, you know, Gary Sawyer's has played most of his games for Derek Adams as a full-back, So it is interesting that he is now trying him out a centre back, yeah. which shows that yes, he's clearly not 100 percent happy with uh, with the options he's got there at the moment. Yeah,
1: I mean, I'm not, I'm not. Too mm. sure you, you probably know better. Well, you will know better than me. But obviously, Sawyer's a left-footed mm-hmm. defender. Yeah. What about the others? Are there other left-footed yeah, centre can- backs? Canavan, yeah, can-
0: Canavan's uh can play there, and, and Scott Wooten did it the first couple of games, played on the left. Uh, but he's, I think, more naturally right-footed sort of thing. So if you went with the Edwards Wooten combination, you've got one player that's that's not going to be on their on their natural side of. I think so. That's that's where you like that balance, isn't it? You know, to, yeah. if you can get two centre backs left and right footed naturally you know that's you know why, why um, say, uh, Zach Viner and Sonny Bradley worked well last season you know two you know Bradley left footed, Viner right footed, Ryan Edwards right footed so Bradley and Edwards you know was, a, was yeah. a good system if you can find and You mean, say
1: Bradley was such a regular, he was yeah. there for two years pretty much consistently yeah. wasn't he. Yeah it? so, so. It's,
0: it's you know there's, there's lots of uh, ifs and buts and maybes and uh, they, they just need to get a result or two one way or the other just to get something on the board get a bit of confidence, give them something to build on because at the moment it just feels that nothing's really very certain about the team. You know, you look at you know, there's lots of players there, but I think, you know, our listeners if, if you asked, you know, twenty of our listeners to name mm. a starting night, they might they could probably come up with about fifteen different combinations of teams, maybe yeah. more. It's no one's really quite sure what the best Argyle team is at the moment yeah
1: one thing that did work last year um, was the front three of Taylor Mm -hmm. Ramirez, and and Graham Carey and you know I think when we started the season we were all pretty convinced that that's what Derek Adams would have done he hasn't. He's obviously brought Ladapo into the team instead. But do you think that's maybe something that he could look at? Is perhaps going back to those three because he, he kind of knows what he's going to get from them, and he could get a few goals from doing that. Well, he, he certainly knows what those three are capable of as a
0: as a trio. So um, I mean, it, it, it is odd that you know you looked at the bench on on Saturday and they had David Fox, Ryan Taylor, Graham Carey, and Ruben Ramirez all named among the substitutes. Now. I don't think anyone would have predicted that a month ago when the season started that all four of those players who yeah. were key last season would all be on on the bench. It's it's quite a turnaround. Um, I think Freddie Ladapo has shown you know glimpses to ju- to justify his selection over Ryan Taylor at the moment. Remember Ryan Taylor missed most of the preseason, um, and it isn't easy to miss most of the preseason mm-hmm. and then suddenly hit the ground running. You know it, it, that isn't. That isn't easy. And I think Ladapo's shown enough with his pace and mobility, he's got a couple of goals, um, that you know, he's he in that central striking
1: position is um, is worth his place in the team at the moment. It's um, just difficult, isn't it, when you're trying to find those permutations that work and you mm. know, you talk about partnerships and you're on a, yeah. a centre half, but you want that in attack as well, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you it, know. It, football's all about partnerships and
0: understanding, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and um, you know, that's why, you know, club sides tend to be better than international sides because club sides tend spend so much time training and playing together, don't they? And you know, in international football, you throw people from different clubs and they have, like, a few days training and, night like, off you go and you, you expect them to play this fully functioning... Like Brazil. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like, brilliant, brilliant team. So, Kerry and the Mirrors is a, is a fascinating situation at the moment, isn't it? You know, because, yeah. you know, that we know how good they are. We know they're match winners. Um but they're not really showing it at the moment you know Carey's not at his best it was a bit like this at the start of last season um, I think there was a goal against Shrewsbury if I remember rightly where he smacked one in from 25-30 yards uh, in October it was and he, he after that there was yeah. no looking back and that's why I think that, he went on to get the player of the month as well didn't he yeah like uh, and if that shot had gone in against Portsmouth that might have been the thing that, that yeah. kick started this season so he just needs something to get him going um, you know, he's not playing at the level that you know we know he's capable of. He'll be aware of that, I'm sure. Um, but I'm not sure in the circumstances that Argyle are in that not playing him is is the way to go. Yeah, he is a match winner. You know, now is he playing brilliantly? No, but he is a match winner. He can win a game out of out of nothing. So I think whatever way Argyle go and Derrick Adams goes, to my mind. You need to have Carey in that team somewhere. Well, you don't um, become a bad player
1: overnight, do you? No, he's
0: you know he's he's proven over the last three years. You know what he's capable of. He did last season. You know he's playing the year last season. So Ruben Ramirez, you know, has been a bit hot and cold in his time at our hasn't he? Let's be honest. You know, at the start of last season he wasn't figuring at all. Yeah. Second half of last season he was excellent. Um, he seems to have been you know less effective again at the start of the season. Uh, you know, dropped out of the squad. He played in the Southwest Peninsula League team. He was back on the bench on um, on Saturday at Portsmouth. I thought he did okay when he came on. Um, so you know, you, you look at it and you think, well, is it is it worth you know for Bristol Rovers away on Saturday? Is it worth like Adapa out front of Carey and the mirrors? go back a little bit to what we've seen before and see if that works? But you know, I think Derek Adams is has got you know concerns about the way that Carey and the Mirrors have played this season and what they've contributed and what they have done and what they haven't done um so yeah again that all comes back to the finding a settled t- team and you yeah. even talented players like Carey and the Mirrors
1: are, are definitely not guaranteed their place at the mm-hmm. moment far from it i think the surprising thing with for me from looking mm-hmm. from the outside is is just seeing how many mistakes Carey's making and mm-hmm. the, they're uh, leading to goals, you know. I think he's given away two penalties mm-hmm. already. Yep. You mentioned the third goal on, on yep. Saturday as well. It's, yep. it's so on Graham Carey, like it's. You know, sometimes it's confidence. You know, your
0: confidence isn't down. Uh, is down, so you're not at your best that way. Um, sometimes you try and force things too much. You're so trying so hard to try and make something happen that you actually end up making it worse. Um, that's probably the case with him because uh, uh, he
1: knows how key he is to our goal.
0: So there's all sorts of combinations that, that um, can and can't sort of work. So um, he'll just be, um, you know, he'll, he'll be working away, our goal needing to come good. It's as, it's as simple as that, you know, you, you, you know, there's no such thing as a one man team, but, you know, as I always say to you know, when I speak to opposition journalists, quite often before a game, and they say, "Well, who's the main man to to watch out for?" and I always say, Graham Carey because he is a match winner. Mm. And when he plays well and is influential, I'll go, I'll go play well. So um, they need to get him firing—that's for sure. Yeah,
1: uh, it was interesting to read Gary Sawyer's quotes after the game, and he was pretty sort of open with you in, in, in saying that the players had a bit of an inquest. Mm. Um, again, it's it's shades of last yes. season, isn't it? Exactly yes. the same happened after the Fleetwood game.
0: It is. It's, it's, it's it, it does feel like last season. If you swap the penalties, with red cards, it does. Yeah. You know, it does feel. Um, I mean, one thing I would say is that you know, it's not always a lot of fun for a player to come out after a after a game and, and speak to the media. It's the last thing they want to be doing. Yeah. Um, because I can assure you, when you see the Argyle players came out of the dressing room at Fratton Park on Saturday, they were not happy. You know, and you wouldn't expect them to be. But sometimes fans wonder, does it really? Do they really care? Does it, does it hurt? And Gary, one of the things Gary Sawyer said very early on in the interview was, you know, if, if, it, if days like today don't hurt you, you shouldn't be in professional football, yeah. it hurts. And you could see that. You know, he, re, um, he was asked by Rick Cowdery, Argyle's head of communications, to to come and have a chat with us. And you could see that it was the last thing he really wanted to do. He just wanted to get on the bus and go home. But he came across, and, and credit where credit's due, he was very um, open and honest and he answered the questions. And I, I thought it was quite a, an interesting interview he gave. He mentioned the fact that the players had had a long chat, they'd aired stuff together, and that's that's good. Mm. You know, in in the situation they're in, there's no point, you know, beating about the bush. You know, I think it was a good opportunity um, after a game like that for for things to be aired and said, and um, hopefully, if there were any things that were just niggling away in people's minds, you know, they've, if they've been addressed or aired, that's always a always a good thing. Um, so yeah, I, th- I thought he spoke very well, and um, you know we'll see if it has um, the desired uh, effect. Because after the, the Fleetwood um, sort of behind closed doors chat the players had, they that sort of started the run. I think they had a home game against Shrewsbury the following Saturday. They drew that, and then they started building. So um, sometimes you know, whether you want to call it inquests or whatever it is about what's gone on, are needed. You know the players have had a have a good long chat. They should should all know where each other stands, where, where the manager stands, and, you know, it's six games in, It's I, I, I can hear myself saying this, it's, <laughs> yeah. it, it's six games in, it's not where I want to be, it's not ideal, um, but there are 40 games to go, you know, and you, there does come a point where you can't still say, well, it's still reasonably early in the season, you know, at some point you've got to turn it around. Six games in, there's an awful lot of football to be played, um, they've made life difficult for themselves in terms of you know being bottom of the table and putting themselves under pressure and we're all talking about well since, you know Satan's last season isn't it and yeah. that's not really what we wanted to be doing but uh, they are where they are and they've got to turn it around yeah
1: it's interesting as well the fact that you know there was no mention of Derek Adams being involved in those talks either it just seemed to be like a, yeah. a players inquest no I
0: think I think the, I think the staff are in there as well um, I think that was because um, we we had quite a long wait afterwards um, before we saw anyone. Um, Derek Adams was quite a while before he came out, um, and it was it was probably um, quarter to six, ten to six before we saw Derrick Adams, and then Gary Sawyer was after that. So it was probably six o'clockish before the, inter- the post match interviews were done, yeah. which is you know quite late by by Argyle standards. They normally happen a bit before that. So no, I think I think everyone that needed to be there was was there.
1: Yeah, I didn't mean that I meant in the, in the sense that sometimes the manager just likes to mm. observe what's going on mm. and it's good for him to see the players oh, yeah. having a chat once themselves. so absolutely, absolutely yeah the and, You know
0: sometimes you need you know leaders in the dressing room to yeah. step forward and and, and uh, initiate stuff like this I don't know exactly how it came about but it was interesting that Gary Sawyer was prepared to talk about it he was quite open that that, that had happened and uh, you know um, I think the line was you know heated talks happen sometimes so you know I'm sure it wasn't you know Everyone patting each other on the back. You wouldn't mm. expect it to be, but you know, yeah. you know, some sometimes in a in a football dressing room, it's important that you know things are aired and people know where each other's coming from. And yeah. uh, so we'll we'll see why that happens. But um, the, the, they were hurt. You know, they if if it's it won't be any consolation to the Argyle fans I know. But you know, the players were hurting on Saturday. Yeah. That that as as much as that hurt the Green Army to see a three nil defeat and to have most of the game. You know, being you know. Taunted by the Portsmouth fans, and, and that's what happens in football. They would have done exactly the same thing if the role, roles were reversed. It's not a nice experience for them on Saturday, and then, um, but I, I can assure them that the players look thoroughly miserable. And uh, you know, Gary Sawyer's comments. I think if, if, if you can get any crumb of consolation from from what happened at Fratton Park, it is that it hurt the players. They know they have to do better, and by having this clear the air talks they've at least acknowledged that, right, okay, we've got to get going.
1: So I, I would take that as a positive. Yeah, and it's interesting you mentioned leadership there as well, and that, of course, in Sonny Bradley is something that mm. they're again kind of lacking this year, I guess. Yes. It's, it's up to those that come in mm. to step forward and be the new leaders.
0: It is, and you know, the, the, one of the issues with that is that a lot of the ones that have come in are younger players yeah. who naturally aren't necessarily going to be instant leaders, but you are looking
1: and it's tough to come to a new club and just you know sort of stamp mm. your authority on on a group of players. Absolutely. Isn't it? So. so
0: you know you are looking at David Fox, Jamie Ness, Anthony Sarcevic, Graham Carey, Ryan Taylor. You're looking at those sort of players. Ryan Edwards, of course. Yeah. You know, players. They're the the sort of the leaders, the more experienced ones in the squad. The people that've been at the club know what the club's like, know what the the values of it are. Um, you need you need those to, to come to the fore. And mm-hmm. again, if, if 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 you're looking for positives, and we do our three up, three down column, don't we, you, you know, you look for three Sometimes positives, and three <laughs> negatives. It was hard on Saturday to it's find three yeah. positives. I have to be honest, but but Jamie Ness, I thought, was superb. You know, he 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 really was determined. He, he was trying to get his teammates to play. He was all over the place. That was exactly the type of performance. That should inspire his teammates to say, "Look, Jamie Ness is doing that. That's the sort of level of performance I need to be producing." So yeah. um, I did think he he was almost best player by by a long way on Saturday. Yeah. Uh,
1: Portsmouth coming up again now on Tuesday. Well, yeah, I was just about to say mm. I'm moving away from Portsmouth because not <laughs> <laughs> because as you say, uh, it's the Under Twenty Three Cup on Tuesday night at mm-hmm. um, home park. Yeah, what do, you, what do you think of the idea of an um, Premier League Under 23 cup? Um I quite like it. Yeah, I must admit. Although I I I'd rather do away with the the under 23 line to be honest because mm. you know you, you said to me earlier on can you play experienced players? I wasn't players? sure. Yeah. And, yeah, and you can, you know, mm. it's those crazy So it's a reserve team competition? It's a reserve team competition, so just mm. make it a reserve team competition mm. and you can play whoever you like. Mm. I just feel that sometimes you get to a stage in these under-23 comp or in reserve team football, mm. where there's so much emphasis on under-21s and under-23s that a lot of senior pros are not getting as much football as they should do yeah. because of these you know limitations on, on yeah. age.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I like the idea of it, although I, I haven't entered it before. So, if you don't know, the game against Portsmouth at Home Park on Tuesday night, which we will be live blogging, Jack the is going to be there. Um, Should be a good game. Um, It's basically going to be two reserve teams uh, playing, so Argyle, in theory, should have quite a strong team in in that, and I'm sure Portsmouth will as well. Uh, And the winner of this one-off game then goes into the group stages of the competition, and they would be um, in the same group as Aston Villa, Bristol City, and Derby County now I know people will be saying hang on a minute none of them are in the Premier League but this is a competition run by the, the, the yeah. Premier League um, but you play those three teams home and away so you would have six games against Villa Bristol City and uh, Derby County yeah. now I think that would be a good level of games for some of our old younger players the the Alex Fletcher's and Alex Battles and, and the younger ones, but also you know some of the senior work players that aren't getting going. So I think it would be
1: very beneficial for our if they could win tomorrow night. Uh, the good thing about it is that down here, of course, there's there's so few opportunities mm. to play against good quality yeah. reserve team op- opposition. You know, yeah. Exeter Yeovil, mm. Torquay are, are kind mm. of out the picture at the moment. Mm. So. Um, it, it just gives the reserve team or the under-23s that opportunity to play good competitive football against high-class opposition.
0: Now, I don't know where the games against Villa, Bristol City and Derby would be played. I would have thought that the, the home games, though, would be played at home park, you would imagine. and mean, you know you imagine you know, Villa coming down or something like that that's actually yeah. quite an appetising game isn't it well so you like charge that. a couple of quid and yeah. you can make, make a bit you of money you would have thought can, a yeah. few people would come along and see that So, it, and it would be a good standard of our, a real proper good standard of opposition so mm. I think it would definitely help certainly the younger players that would possibly be involved in the Premier League Cup if I if could win that one they've got six games at least in the group stages that's not you know, even if, if they went further in the competition, they might, yeah. would have even more. So, um, I think it'd be a good it'd be a good game, and if if they could, if they could get a win there, um, there's some potentially
1: uh, attractive games coming up. So, plenty at stake at that one. So, yeah. uh, well, certainly when you see the other teams that are in the competition as mm-hmm. well, you know you've got Man City, Chelsea, yeah. Liverpool. Yeah. So you know, get through the group stages and mm-hmm. potentially get one of those. And um, again, you're looking at a nice, attractive. But you've got six games there you've got 12 in the central league so there's 18
0: games that sort of young the sort of first and second year pros at argyle and any first they're going to get and so that's starting to fill that void where you know a few years ago it felt like the reserves were hardly playing any games so if they could, if they could get through it would be important so um yeah if you're not going to a home park keep an keep an eye on it on the on the blog because i think that should be uh, Quite an interesting game that one. Yeah,
1: most definitely. Yeah. Right, now we will move away from Portsmouth now and into the weekend. Um Probably too early to start talking about six pointers. I don't yes. like that cliche no. because you know, as you say, there's still mm. forty games to go. So yes. how can you have a six pointer in September? Yeah. But um I don't really want to lose this one, do they? Because I no. don't want to get too far adrift at the bottom. And Rovers are down there struggling as well.
0: Yeah, a bit of a surprise that Rovers have. have have had the start they've had um so you've got two teams in the bottom four i think it is as, as things stand yeah it's, it's not a six pointer uh, it's way way too early in the season but you don't want to lose that one that's for for sure um you know i've found it hard at rovers over over recent times um uh you know again um a lot smaller ground the frat and park but the fans are on top of you they they let you know make what they're noise. thinking yeah. they make a noise so um you know if you let rovers get on top of you you know it can be a long afternoon so uh, uh, it'd be interesting to see uh, what what teams picked you know how are they approach the game but yeah, the, the, the bare minimum really is 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 a, is a draw up there, just to start trying to build some some building blocks and, and go from there. Uh, a win would be great. Any win is going to be great. Now it doesn't matter if it's one 0 in the 89th minute with an own goal off of somebody's back of somebody's heel or something like that. They, they just need to start potting points on the board. But uh, it's it's always a difficult place to go to Bristol Rovers. They they never make it easy. They'll be smarting I suspect from uh, the start of the season they made some on paper some quite good signings in the summer and uh, you, would, you would have thought that they'd be aiming for a lot higher than where they are at the moment yeah. and um, hopefully we'll catch up with Martin Starnes our uh, ex-guest of, course, of, yeah. the, of the podcast who's now the chief executive of Bristol Rovers so um, hopefully get a chance to see him on Saturday and uh, and uh, see how he's getting on but yeah it, uh, I mean, there's a few other links there Chris Harvey's being part of the the coaching set up at Bristol Rovers. So, um, yeah, there's a few links there, but I'll oh, need to go there. And if I could get a win, you know, they, they just need a kick start to the season, they just need to get going. Yeah. And um, I think performance is, I think what I would agree with is that I'm not too bothered about the, the quality of the performance, it's just getting the win at the moment. And if they have to play a bit ugly and uh, And grind out a 1 0 win, then I will happily take that on
1: something. Yeah, not even necessarily a win, but a draw, you know, a A draw, sheet and just a a, a start, a building block.
0: A a building block, you know, 11 goals in the last three games is concerning. Mm. So let's stop that rot. And yeah, I mean, you know, it, it doesn't sound that exciting. I know, but a nil-nil draw would not be the worst result in the no. world by any stretch of the imagination.
1: Well, it was like Shrewsbury last year. I mm. think that's what they had at home mm. park, wasn't it? Yeah. And that was the sort of start of the run. Just, couple just, of clean sheets, then that, those draws became yep. one-nil wins, mm. and it, it, the wheels turned from that. Yeah,
0: so it's, it's been the theme of this podcast, hasn't it? Yeah, let's you know try and build and get going. So. Um, we'll see how it goes um, going to be another interesting week at
1: Home Park I think yeah well I'll put you on the spot a little bit mm. then Chris if you're Derek Adams I know <laughs> yeah. you're Derek Adams yes. you're in training this week then yes. what, what would you be focusing on I suppose just getting that settled back, I want, back.
0: I want to get a settled back four is my main my, my, my priority at the moment um, would he consider playing three centre backs I know that's an option and some people have talked about that and playing with wing backs uh, because Smith Brown and say to t- four and more yeah. could play as wing backs. Um, he briefly tried three at the back. I think it was at t- Tavistock in pre-season, and it didn't work that well. Um, it's difficult to switch from a four to a three centre backs when you are playing Saturday, Tuesday, you know, and what have you, like to do at the start of the season. Um, they've got clear weeks now. They've got clear yeah. weeks now. They haven't got Tuesday games throughout September, mm-hmm. so you, that is something you could start to work on if you wanted to. Um, but their Adams has never really struck me as being massively keen on playing at three three centre backs three central defenders so we need to get the back four so this week if, if I'm the manager I'm looking to try and get a clearer picture in my mind of what are the best four players at the back and try as best as possible but performances and mistakes can dictate this to try and stick to that back four as much as I possibly can and get that back five really well drilled um, but I wouldn't want anyone to think that it's just the defence's fault that they've conceded the 11 goals it, it's been a, t- a collective thing where they're, they're conceding goals but let's try and nail the defence down so that's that's what I'd be, I'd be doing and um, try different combinations and training I'm sure they'll play a few practice games you know all sorts of bits and pieces to try and work out what you're going to go with you know are you going to stick with Ryan Edwards and Gary Sawyer if not you know, you you know, just Scott Wooten coming back in again. You know, Niall Canavan's been in and out, and you know, Peter Grant is a centre back that hasn't even featured, yeah. he hasn't even been in the based squad yet. Um, so you know, he seems to be like, you know, fifth choice centre back at the moment. You know, it, but is is it worth having a look at him in a game? You know, if things aren't working, you know, is he worth a shot? I mean, I, I've I've seen very little of him, um, yeah. obviously, so difficult to say. But yeah, get drill that back forward as yeah. well as hard as you can and uh, and see where that takes you at
1: Bristol Rovers on Saturday. Yeah. I I it. totally agree with that and I, I think what I'd be inclined to do at Bristol Rovers as well if I was Derek Adams I know you say ladipo has been playing well but mm. I'd be i be tempted to drop him and then mm. bring back Kerry Lemirez and Taylor yeah. because mm. those three know each other and they, you know mm. towards the back in the last season. They were fantastic. Mm. So you can almost you know mm. in training you have to focus on one thing really, don't yeah. you? So you can let those three just concentrate on what they do best, yeah. be happy with that, and then focus on the back line.
0: I'm sure there are lots of podcast listeners who have just gone, here here when <laughs> you just said that, Stu, because I, I, I suspect that quite a few other fans
1: would like that in, and not, not everyone. Um, but, but then uh, it's it's dependent on Ryan's fitness, isn't it? You know, yeah. He's not yeah. fully match fit and I, struggling with his ankle still, don't Yeah,
0: it? I don't think he's struggling with his ankle. I think he's fit. He's not going to be fully match fit because he hasn't played enough games to get fully match fit, and it's... It's that chicken and an egg situation, isn't it? He's, yeah. he's not going to get match fit if he doesn't play more, but if his performances aren't up to the standard we know he's
1: capable of and Adapo's doing a reasonable job, he's not going to get picked. Mm-hmm. So it's, and then you look at last year, of course, when he was out at the start of the season, missed three ma- uh, three months, came mm-hmm. in in the U- European the mm-hmm. Czech trade game, and yeah. that was it, he was up and running. Yeah. So he j- maybe just needs to stick him in the team and... Mm-hmm. Give them a run it's, it's, it's at the stage where every team uh,
0: sort of an hour before the kickoff when the team comes out at the moment it's always fascinating to see what the team is because I don't I, yeah I, you if you put me on the spot and said what team do you think it will be on Saturday I really haven't got a the clue there could be all sorts of different combinations and um, and that is the problem I yeah. think there's, there's far too many variables at the moment we need you know we need to get the full backs sorted out we need to get the center backs sorted out we need to get that front three if it's going to be a front three. And get it nailed in, settled, so that you know. There's obviously going to players come in and out because of injuries, suspensions, loss of form, and whatever. But there isn't a lot of certainty about the personnel or the formation at the moment, and obviously that needs to change. Indeed.
1: Right. Well, that's all we've got time for, Chris. Thanks ever so much for joining me. Yeah. Um, thank you, Stu. Thanks for your company. Yeah. Likewise. We're it would to be get... very
0: boring just listening
1: to me talking <laughs> away a bit. Well, there's, some, there's certainly some uh, interested and, and valid points as always, and. um, We'll try and get Jack back next week to yeah. get his views as well.
0: Get Jack on, because he is seeing a lot of the games, so yeah. um,
1: it would be good to get his thoughts on... Uh, he's coming
0: up to Bristol Rovers, so...
1: Uh, yeah, and yeah. um, not to forget as well that he's going to be at the Pompey game tomorrow yes. night, so uh, if you yeah. are looking to keep an eye out for that one, then stay tuned to Plymouth Live, and Jack will be bringing you all the updates from Home Park. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.